When piecing these episodes together, I make a point to have the subjects I talk to serve as my guides. This requires tremendous faith for the simple fact that when exploring a place, I rarely have any idea whom I'm going to meet. At the same time, that's possibly been the most rewarding aspect of this project, as it's forced me to test the boundaries of my comfort zone, and I've met some truly extraordinary people. But of all the personalities I've encountered so far, none have proven as expansive as cowboy renaissance man Hoot Gibson. So much so, it seemed a crime he was relegated to the role of a supporting player in my piece on Arky Blue's Silver Dollar, so I wanted to make certain he got some extra time to shine, and am now honored to share this special bonus episode featuring a bit more of our back porch conversation, but best of all, some poetry. I'm Evan Stern. And this is a bonus edition of Vanishing Postcards. Before today's show, I want to take a moment to let my friend, author, and paranormal expert, Ryan Sprague, tell you about his podcast, Somewhere in the Skies. When I was 12 years old, I saw something in the sky I couldn't explain. And I've been searching for answers ever since. And I'm inviting you on that search with me every week on the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. With special guest interviews, case history, and audio docs, we ask the tough questions when it comes to UFOs, the paranormal, and the unexplained. New episodes drop every Monday through the E1 Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts and at somewhereintheskies.com. Thanks, Ryan. Now let's get back to the show. Actually, this is perfect out here. Thank you for your... So your name is... Evan Stern. Hop along Cassidy Stern. Hop along Cassidy Stern. But you know, uh, you're... Now is who... this all just a vocal or is this a visual? No, this is all just vocal. I wish, you see, it, I wish it was visual because, I mean, you've got the spurs. I mean, you got the mustache. You got the hat. I mean, you, you are the real deal, man. Bornis will proudly tell you in the exact geographical heart of Texas, who Gibson is the real deal. Looking him over and hearing him talk, I can see where at first glance some could make the judgmental mistake of dismissing him as a caricature. I mean, guys like him only seem to appear in movies, and old ones at that, but this is an identity he owns. So much so, he even answers to the name of a Hollywood cowboy, but he'll tell you there's a story to that. In the 1920s, there was an original Hoot Gibson. He done his own stunts and horseback and silent movie days and uh, become a pretty famous movie star in Hollywood. Then later on in years, uh, Gibson's name was tagged Hoot. If your last name was Gibson, you're Hoot because of his popularity. Well, to make a, make a shortest story can, when I was at Tarleton State University, uh, I was working the oil patch in full-time school, full-time oil patch. And I ran out of money one day and I had to go to the office, the drilling company, and I wanted my driving checks and my, I wanted my, payroll checks, and I had been in there a couple of months. I ran out of money, and I needed some more money, and because my schedule was 
pretty well full. So I walked in there and I see this woman. I don't know her. And she said, can I help you, sir? And I said, yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm here to pick up my money and my payroll and stuff. Well, I've been here. She said, I've been here for a couple of months. I said, yeah, I know. And I ain't been here in a couple of months. So anyways, if you could describe this woman, you could put her in two number four wash tubs and she'd fill them both up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But she is a happy, happy, fat and happy. She is a nice old woman. So I got my money and everything and turned in my uniforms and I come back. Next time I come back to the office, I picked up my uniforms and she took the incentive of writing hoot on my tag, on my on my identification, on my working uniform. And from then on, I didn't argue with the old big old woman. I just, <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and so I become a hoot. All through the years, that was back in the 70s, but all through the years, even up till now, my banker don't even really know my Christian name. <laughs> it's it's James, but I'll settle for Hoot because I am a Hoot. I'm not the original, so that's the way it is right now. <laughs> There'll be another one come along probably. <laughs> no slouch. Who graduated college with four degrees and had a decent career in oil and gas, but as we now know, the petrol business is one of boom and bust and ain't exactly like what you might see on a Dallas rerun. And I went from bottom roughneck and worm corner all the way to pushing tool, consulting work overseas in Pakistan during the Gulf War. I've been to Italy, I've been around and Finally, I just, oil patch, boom, oil patch, bust. And I, I just told Daddy, I said, I'm coming back ranch. I'm tired of fighting, trying to get money and do this or that. I'm, I went through some personal wrecks, and he said, well, you're going to be poor the rest of your life. And I said, Daddy, I don't care no more. I said, I want to live the way I can enjoy it. So that's what happened. Well, if you ask me... Getting enjoyment out of life is pretty darned rich. And in talking to him, it's clear Hoots found a passion in horses and in Bandera, a home. Ever since I hit the front door of Bandera, Texas, which was in 87, I was uh, racing horses at Bandera Downs, at Paramutual come in 89. I was a breaking and training and shoeing them and doing, I was building fence, fixing windmills. It didn't matter. I was working just ranch work, period. Uh, I wasn't thinking about nothing but the Bandera Downs and my horses and a racetrack and the oil patch went to hell and I didn't have no money and I didn't have enough money to even race horses, but I was hoping I might get a winner in one of them boardwalk fraternities. And, I was focused on that when I first hit Bandera, but that kind of run short, and uh, I guess you could say we had a drought, and the pond went dry. <laughs> Let's just say 
there's not another Bandera. If there was, I'd probably go visit it a little bit. Everything is, Bandera's about the only small place that really fights to keep its identity as the way it is. He gave up rodeos at age 49. The next year though, in 2004, he rode his horse over 3,000 miles to Canada as the trail boss of the I Reckon Freedom Ride, an epic nearly six month journey we barely even touched on in our conversation. But that's not altogether surprising as Hoot is a man of many interests. And I enjoy going to the honky tonks. <laughs> I've enjoyed dancing. I played a lot of music. I recorded, I do cowboy poetry. I... Obviously, I had to ask if he'd be willing to share a poem. Taking a long drag on his hand-rolled, unfiltered cigarette, he looked me in the eye. Well, I'm gonna give you an option. I'll do one. You want, to be a, you want me to talk about horses, mules, or men? Men. I don't know if I remember all that one or not, but it's not a real jerker. I mean, it's a true story about me growing up when I was a very, very young, 15, working at a gas station, Texaco and Richland. I'll try to do it for you. I get a little emotional on it every now and then because it happened to me. The guy we're talking about, his name's Paul Wilkerson. Old man Paul, forgotten back then, forgotten still. He lived in a room that was attached to the mill. He'd walk into town, Richland Springs, every day. I still remember Though I'm older, and I'm proud to say, he is my hero. You see, when Paul was just a young'un, his feet got run over by a wagon. Those feet never got fixed. They just grew back in lumps. And Paul, he'd work his way to town dragging those stumps. Old man Paul, Always had a week's growth on his face. He'd always greet folks in a gentleman's way, but they all shied and they'd stay far away. I reckon a bath would have helped him every now and then. His only bathtub was old Richland Creek and the walk was too much for his old crippled feet. I don't know or remember how Paul passed away. Wasn't how he died was how he lived every day. Made an impression on this boy. His red and gray hair, his haunched over back, his small stature and all, makes me love that old man even more today because old man Paul taught me how to pray. So if you forget who and what's worthwhile, whenever you refuse to return a man's smile, Remember, there's a Paul with broke down feet and he's living just down yonder at the end of your street. Then, feeling inspired to my delight, 
he performed another for my intimate audience of one. In this poem, it's entitled The Top of the Ridge. The way I come by this is I was out there working Keystone. That was my horse at the time. I was in a burning pen, breaking wild mustangs, trying to put a handle on them, and golly, it was... I finally just sat down at that burning post, and Keystone was standing over me, and hell, he was tired, too. And I got to looking at that horse, and I said, you know what? What the hell would he be saying right now? You know? <laughs> I had a pencil in my pocket and a couple of dollar bills, nothing else to write on. I started writing. What would this horse be saying right now? And I come up with a poem and the horse doing the talking and it goes something like this. I worked his way across that draw, and I was a-reaching for the top of that ridge. Horse-striding from day to day and riding pure hell on the edge. Too much slack in body and mind. It'll kill a feller's soul. I can't stop now, that's all I know. Taking care of this cowboy while he's enjoying a chew. Knowing real well my work's cut out to do. Some days are real good. Especially when he sets me a new round of shoes. Some days just weather bad and they give off him rain-soaked blues. He thinks every day's nothing but good. He never make it alone. I know I sure could. So I'll take him anywhere he wants to go and I'll bring him back home for tomorrow's show. I like his campfire. I like the smoke and the smell. Cause that means I'm arresting and I ain't on that ridge having hell. A bucket of grain, a sweet leaf of hay. Sun's going down. I'm a eating my pay. Well, we've been working it for years. I see that new colt he brought in. I just had me a talk with that babe, baby. And I just had to kick back and grin when the old man takes a dally. I'll bring that colt in. Well, we fine-tuned for this ridge, and it's looking like a pretty day. I'm so glad of my boss, man, and that old cowboy way. By the end of this, we agreed it was time for another round, but before heading back inside to pop another top, he blessed me with some wisdom and a mini-sermon. only thing that will end up in your life a man is vanity. And everything a man does, even if he's a billionaire, it will be left. He will go in the world naked and out of the world naked. And that is a vanity. God is not a vanity. We're worthless as shit compared to what he is. I don't know if you recorded that or not, but I won't run backwards on what I just said. And he did teach man how to make a beer and enjoy the son of a poochie. He just said, don't get sluggered with it. It's good to cook with, too. <laughs> it is. A beer and wine's good to cooking with. 
You don't got to drink at all. There's one man and one man only to thank for this episode. And that is, of course, the remarkable and generous James E. Hoot Gibson. Mr. Gibson, I thank you for sharing your time, talent, and trust. At the end of our talk, I bought a book from him written by Bandera resident Mary Alice that documented the epic trail ride he led to Canada. It's called Riders on the Storm, the true story of the I Reckon Freedom Ride. And if you're interested in ordering a copy, send Mary an email at ireckon at aol.com. That's E-Y-E-R-E-C-K-O-N at aol.com. I also thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and haven't already, please subscribe. It helps us grow and guarantees you will never miss a release. And as always, if you know someone in your life who might enjoy what we're up to, it would mean a great deal if you could take a moment to text them and share this episode. For now, the plan this season is to release episodes twice a month, and we'll be back again on the second Thursday in May. But if interested, before then, I'll be speaking with Mike Brennan on his podcast, Creative Chats. So if you're curious to learn more about what I'm up to behind the scenes, stay tuned to Creative Chats, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music was written and performed by Max Krause and Emily Young. I'm Evan Stern, and I hope you'll join us next time for more Vanishing Postcards. <laughs>